Welcome to Back Issues, episode number one. My name's Toby Shaver, and I'm here with my brother Dave. Dave, welcome to the show. How you doing, Toby? Doing awesome. This show's a long time coming. It's a podcast that we wanted to do for quite some time now to celebrate our love for the world of comic books. So we're here to, you know, kind of get a, a brief escape from all the serious things going on in the world right now <laughs> and just, you know, slip away into into the world of, you know, Batman and uh, Superman, Spider-Man, you know, all, all your faves from the past. So what we're going to do with this show is actually go back. You know, a lot of people's exposure to these characters is just from the movies and TV, but we're going to go back to the source and go back to some of our favorite stories from the past, some of the back issues that that we were there for when they came out and enjoyed the first time, and we'll revisit some of those. And then also some of the ones that we've missed along the way, some of the great storylines around these characters that, that we didn't catch the first time around, but we'll go back and, and take a look now. So excited to tackle this. Dave, how are you feeling here? This is your first podcast you've done, so welcome to the world of podcasting. Thank you very much. I'm excited. Uh, it, like you said, I, it's... it's um subject matter that I, I care very deeply about so I'm uh, I'm excited to to let her rip and and you'll learn you know for the listeners moving forward in the show that Dave has a special kind of passion for this subject matter <laughs> and you know I mean we, as very we diplomatic. both do but we both kind of come at it from from a slightly different way so you know we'll, we'll get into that as well but let's start out since this is you know a comic book show let's do our origin story here and talk about when comic books first like became it. part of our lives so for me now you know for for the listeners again that that don't know us Dave's about three and a half years older than me but we grew up you know kind of into comic books around the same time but uh you know i think growing up we had our experience maybe with the comic strips and in the sunday paper and that kind of thing but it wasn't until the mid 80s when i was about nine when we first found a comic book store called the reader's exchange you know what i i was thinking about that earlier and i really think it was earlier than that i think you were more like late seven going on eight in the real early years because i think i was only probably about 11 i guess i just don't remember having any exposure to it other than just the tv shows and stuff <laughs> until readers came along so i don't know i mean maybe i just have have a spotty memory but i remember just going into this store you know week after week with mom her used bookstore because mom consumed books just voraciously, you know, two or three books a week, every single week. So it was constantly going in and swapping <laughs> out for the used books. And they had part of the store devoted to comic books, just kind of maybe a third of the store along the wall. And, you know, she let us take take our pick. You know, you could pick <laughs> right, one out. Exactly. And that's when I discovered the new Teen Titans. That was my first entry to to like the the real stuff, the stuff that's not just on the wire spinner racks. Well, at the it's gas so hilarious because I, I, you know, first of all, I mean, readers just wow. I mean, what a great time and just bringing back great memories. But yeah, I remember, you know, kind of walking down that, you know, whatever it was, like, you know, two or three wooden sections long that it was, you know, and it had kind of DC and Marvel kind of inter inter mingled and. Uh, 
Well, I remember it being very segregated, though. They definitely had a Marvel section and a DC section. They almost, you know, kind of, they made you pick a side a little bit. <laughs> Fair enough. Definitely, definitely. Uh, <laughs> but I think just the section being as small as it was in those early years, you know, and like we, you, you yeah. know, we'll get into the move later. But the, uh, um, anyway, I kind of just looked at it all and past it you know just at kind of at the end of the rack was like the independent press stuff and that was what just i i just all of a sudden i see this title you know it's a little bit bigger a little bit you know just by size a little bigger than the rest uh and it was elf quest and i and i yeah. grabbed that bad boy and uh you know that was definitely uh a whole new thing because like you said i mean there was the you know the wire rack stuff you'd get it you know, Kmart or whatever, or Meyer, and, uh, uh, you know, you'd, it would be some random, you know, Captain America or Iron Man or, you know, the, you know, the B-listers in our time, you know, until they became, right. you know, the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, so, uh, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I, 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 I mean, that was really the two probably biggest things is just the, you know, as far as walking, you know, going into readers was, you know, where it was a whole nother world of comic collecting was first of all that initial like, oh, there is things beyond DC and Marvel. Uh, you know, Realm, the Realm, remember when I picked that one up and, uh, mm -hmm. you know, that was a, that was actually like a local done in Michigan, you know, one. And, uh, um, and then like you just said, uh, you know, getting under the table and looking through the boxes, the, through the actual back issues, and, uh, you know, getting, you know, just expanding on these characters and really just getting to a point where you, you, you felt like you knew them, you know, in a, in a weird yeah, sort of way. Yeah. So it was, uh, yeah, it was just a whole new level. That was awesome. Yeah. And, you know, mind you, this is a time where there's not a new... Netflix series to stream, you know, every every few weeks popping up. I mean, this was a time when, you know, to to kind of discover because that's what it felt like for us at that point was a new discovery, even though that it had been around for so long. You know, to discover all that and to be able to just go back and consume it all just obsessively was just something that wasn't really. You know, available in most cases. You couldn't do that with TV shows back then, right? You know, but you could do it with comic. Absolutely, books. absolutely, and and even, and that's a great point. And then even above that, it, that's the only kind I make. Well, of course, yes, silly me. The uh, oh, and at the time, you know, you also have to consider that the, you know, what content was coming out. You know, it wasn't just the fact that there was. Uh, not the ability to go back and stream things or watching, you know, watching reruns. I mean, you know, on a quick sidebar, I mean, if you remember at the time when like the Grinch stole Christmas came out at Christmas, you didn't watch it again until the next Christmas. You didn't, you know, it oh, wasn't. Oh yeah. That's a, you know, I mean, that's a huge difference between our generation. Right. Like, I mean, not to get too, right. you know, old Manny right. on, on episode one here, <laughs> but of course, right. yeah, the delayed gratification right. of that kind of thing but, does not exist at all. But I would like to point out also that not only was that true, but the product we were getting was pretty, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong. There was a few, uh, 
you know, maybe early Transformers and things like that that were, you know, diamonds in the rough for what we had. But, like, you know, like live action, you know, I remember the attempt in probably, what, the late 70s for that, like, couple episodes of that live action (laughs) Spider-Man, you know, and stuff like that. So, like, like... We didn't even think to turn to to movies and in TV. You know what I'm saying? Like, well, there was kind of a TV was a different like it 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 scratched a different itch of like nerddom and you know the genre. It it gave us Transformers and GI Joe and you know He Man and things like right. that. But it didn't give us like any of these great characters that somehow were were just sitting there in the you know, DC and Marvel universes that that weren't getting anything better than Super Friends and, you know, the sixties Batman. Show. Right. Well and you were in right. And I and and what I think that speaks to for me at least was the what was the storytelling, you know, the poor aspect of that. Because you just I mean, you know, like I've heard recent interviews with people that, that you know are that are producing some of these Netflix shows that are like, you know, where they're doing what would have been a you know, a two-hour movie even 10 years ago, and now they get to do, like, eight-hour-long episodes. You know, and to me, that's what a comic book, and especially, like, a, you know, being committed to following a run of comics is all about. I mean, you get, you're in there. You know, you're, you're riding with it as well as you're getting the, you know, the time to flesh it out, you know, more, so... So anyway, yeah. so yes, and you know, so back, back in our day. So especially, so kind of moving into the like the 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 big move was when, you know, this little kind of nook of, you know, what was mostly a used bookstore. Then I think kind of saw the writing on the wall. I mean, this is all just my opinion. I don't know that that's that's why they did it, but you know, the comic book industry was starting to boom. It was probably the biggest it it ever was as yep. far as it being a. Uh, you know, a, a collectible. You know, people were into it, like for for the increasing value of the books and stuff. And there was just so much product out there that that it became a big business. So Readers Exchange cha- went to a different location where it was pretty much a hundred percent a comic store, um, but huge. You know, and got into collectibles and you know role playing games and you know sci fi and all of that yep. stuff. But that led to them having an enormous back catalog that now, I mean, that was pretty much it for me and you at that point. I mean, they, they basically they basically had our allowance and or paychecks at that point. And, and a lot of moms. <laughs> the, the, uh, well, exactly. And, and if I remember correctly, there was actually a, a decent little segment of it that was uh, under the glass counters that was... Uh, Cards, because that was the whole thing. Was both the comic industry and the uh, specifically baseball cards, but trading cards in general, it, the market hadn't been flooded yet. They hadn't made the poor decisions of the early '90s, so like stuff was genuinely valuable. And uh, yeah, they they they. It's a shame. It's a grind shame. There, I had yeah. some things that were worse yeah. than money. Well, and I will say, <laughs> yeah, for day. me, you know, I think I definitely realized that as I got into the comics themselves, I also got into the entrepreneurial aspect yes. of it because I was the kid that was buying. You know, if it was something that 
was going to be a huge one, I was buying multiple copies. I was buying one to read and For one sure. to just, you know, put away, Definitely. you know, under under loose sight, you know, under the guard of armed soldiers and, you know. Exactly. Sure as hell won't let you touch it. <laughs> oh, hell no. You might You might read the words off. Exactly, exactly. Many, many battles in the Shaver house over the comics, but we, you know, we shared for the most part and and got to enjoy that many more books because of it. Definitely. Well, and yeah, I and, and I think you mentioned Clay maybe already. If you haven't, you know, we have a brother that's in between. Yeah, he had his whole you know selection. Yeah. You know, we were well. He kind of turned about- like. You know, it was only when it was something that we knew was going to be a collectible that we usually bought the same stuff. For the most part, we bought different things. Yeah. Well, which we, was probably pretty smart. We definitely all had our, you know, particular series that we collected, but yeah, you're exactly right because that was the other thing that was interesting about that time period was there was just because uh Crisis on Infinite Earths and all that stuff was dropping. So, like, there were so many offshoot, like, new series starting up. And, you know. It was a great time to jump on. To, right. Reshuffling you know, you of things. Like you were so far behind on storylines and everything. Yeah, it was a great time. I mean, it was just a very interesting time at, at a minimum. But And since then, they've rebooted the universe. I mean, that was kind of the first time they ever really, really, well, you know, kind of just shook up the Etch-A-Sketch. And started from scratch, but now I mean, Marvel and DC have both done that. Well, they keep many times. I think that there's. A, I would. I mean, I, my personal opinion is there's a somewhat of a difference in the sense that I think back then there was a, a genuine, you know, consolidation for lack of a better word. There, you know, it was all the years of all the kind of different threads of the continuity fraying. They were bringing it together. I mean, and, you know, some of the more recent ones I think have just been like, we had a bad idea, so let's just start over. Something to be said, and I think even artistically about, like, I'm putting out this product, and I'm putting out this run, and I'm committed to it, and it's going to be something, and people are going to stick with it or not. But when when everything is constantly new... It, I at least believe it loses a little bit of gravitas. And therefore, there's not the desire or urgency to get involved where even if, you know, you stumble onto something or, or, or discover something that, you know, two years into a run, but it's good and quality and they've been building something and it and it shows in the pages, you're going to be inspired to, to go and get those old issues. Whereas... You know, when every year it's starting over, you can just skip out on that whole time period. And again, I think it, it, it affects the artistry as well. It's kind of a double-edged sword because if you are a stickler for, you know, canon and continuity as you are, it seems like you would need for them to reboot every so often because think about it, if they didn't, there would be so many Batman stories, for example, in canon that the whole timeline of it would be distorted because he couldn't have done that many things without becoming an old man. I mean, he's not on The Simpsons. He's not ageless. You know, 
there'd be so many things that have happened that would go to building that character that it couldn't fit into the time, you know, of his life. Well, I don't think that's an argument for restarting it constantly, though. How is it not? I just made it. Well, I, How is that not an argument for restarting? Because I don't think... I mean, at least I don't read comics that somehow that because there's a thousand stories about Batman, that has to uh, constitute a thousand days. Like, even if it's in the same, you know, run of... I mean, for years and years and years, it was... But I'm saying for you, though, for someone like you who's, who the, the uh, canon and the continuity is so important, no, I just think in in comic book, at least in my understanding of the comic book genre, when a new artist or a new, more specifically, a new writer comes on board, he's going to take a character in different ways. And at those points, you do understand that that character is altered or there's a different continuity. What I guess I'm specifically complaining about is like, you use the name New 52. Stuff like that where it's the whole universe is being revamped right, or restarted or whatever. Right. I don't buy that. I mean, again, I, I fully accept yeah, but you're there's not different saying that, stories. You're not saying that if a different writer... You're not saying that, that if a different writer takes over you know, the same Batman book that it's a restart in continuity. I... I I'm saying that there's an understanding that he's going to take it in certain ways. And in the past, there were times where they pretty, pretty much just started ignoring something that had just happened, you know, even <laughs> only a couple issues ago. And that's, again, that's, a, that's the nuance of the, the genre. I don't think that's what you're supposed to expect. I think you would expect that the new writer, you know, is picking up where the last one left off, unless they're telling you otherwise. Well, they do in so many words, and literally sometimes in so many words. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like literally yeah. sometimes, sometimes they'll just say, oh, no. oh, I lost you. Yeah, I hope I didn't break it. Shit. That smacked hard. Your rage knocked your phone over. Well, I'm on a short tether with this, uh, with these headphones. Um. But anyway, that's okay, though. That was actually... That was meant to be because we were off on a tangent there. I don't even know what we were arguing about at this point, but uh, so I think that give, gives our new listeners, you know, an idea of of you know <laughs> of kind of how these conversations go. Yes. <laughs> but strong strong opinions are had whether they're warranted or not. That's our nerd secret origin story. So uh, <laughs> let's go. Let's go to our next segment. Let's let's uh, go to the big news stories of the day. So each week on the show, we're going to take a look at a few of the news stories of the day, what everybody's talking about in the in the nerd world, in the comic book superhero world. And uh, this week, all the buzz is Michael Keaton Batman. So word on the street is that Michael Keaton is in early talks to rep- reprise his role as Bruce Wayne 
in the Flash movie coming up. And then, you know, potentially, I, I mean, it sounds like from the rumors, at least for him to be a part of the DC extended universe, the movie universe moving forward from there. So have you heard about this, Dave? Uh, you just I just heard about it yesterday for the first time. I so now what do you what are you thinking? I, I I'm excited. This is this is uh, news that's I think to the delight of many fans out there who who have you know especially since um, Spider Man since they saw Michael Keaton you know come back in that uh, have kind of wanted this to happen in some form or another and it seems like a good fit with this Flash movie if they're doing Flashpoint. So what do you think? I'm. When you told me about it yesterday, my immediate reaction was very negative. Um, partly because of him recently being in Spider-Man and playing specifically the Vulture role and, you know, whatever. But I, I've, I've had 24 hours to sit on it. And it, if they do it right, it could be awesome. If they're if they're gonna approach it like the the Bruce Wayne from the Batman Beyond, or if he's gonna just be the Batman from the Flashpoint, you know, by itself, just a standalone, but. I'm still not 100%. I'm still not sold that, on it. I think that it's something different. I don't think, I mean, from from the, from what I've read so far, it's not entirely either of those things. I think that it is supposed to be, um, you know, set up to be something that would set up Batman Beyond and kind of the old man Bruce Wayne. But I think that it is that same you know, 89 to 1992 Batman that he played. It is supposed to be everything that it that was in those movies is canon to it, at least. And now, obviously, like, this is all with a grain of salt. This is all speculation, but, you know, so many of these things that, that you hear about do come to pass. So right. we're going to, for our purposes here, we're going to talk about it as if it's true and that it's happening. But, uh, yeah, they're saying that it, that it's that same role because it would be really weird if it wasn't. I mean, if they're going to have him in there and then ignore the the 89 film and everything, that would be super off-putting, I think. Don't you think? Yeah, well, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm you've really been selling me the last couple of years on the whole, you know, each thing its own incarnation and I and I I guess my thought process the only thing that I really after you told me about it I, I saw an image where uh, it wasn't Michael Keaton but it showed a guy like with gray hair kind of in a you know side view sitting in a chair reading a paper that says you know the flash has disappeared um, yeah, it's probably like fan art or something, I'm assuming. You see a lot of really good right. stuff. So I, you know, that got me thinking, and it just depends, like, where you could, I think the best utilization for the Michael Keaton, like, if you're going to bring the 89 Batman into the modern day, I think that the the... 
idea of making him one of the things one of my most common bitches about how poorly people have portrayed Batman is the not accentuating his intellect. I mean, he's basically one of the, if not the smartest, the top three in all of the DC universe. So the idea, and it's not always, you know, they, they, you know, people will have that, that we'll save that discussion for another, another time. You know the depth. Well, of yeah, it, but, and to be fair, I think I think Tim Burton had him wear glasses in one scene, and if you remember in 1989, that was how you showed somebody was smart <laughs> in a movie. So let's not forget that Tim Burton's Batman certainly had intellect. So I, I think that that's funny. You know, that's exactly true of the 80s, but the. Uh, no, I'd like the idea of. Okay, let, let me let me press reset here. This is exactly if it okay. was if I if it, if if it was left in my hands. I think the way you can nail Flashpoint is you make Michael Keaton. <clears throat> not only do you nail Flashpoint this way, but I'll go as far. I'll put my my neck out there, and I'll say this is the way you save. The, you know, whatever they call it, the DC cinematic universe. Um, they, <clears throat> because they already have Momoa and Godot on contra- under contract, um, and they've had some success with both of those, you know, storylines or those, you know, what they've done with those characters. I'm not very, I'm not a big, uh, the kid that plays the Flash, Ezra Miller. I, I'm not. He just doesn't. He's not Barry Allen to me. I mean, he's a good actor. I've seen him in other things that I've enjoyed him in, but he's not Barry Allen. Much like Bruce Wayne, is so important. You get the out of costume part of that right, and they didn't. So again, I don't necessarily blame fully the the actor, but anyway, to get back to the point. How you, whether you keep him as the lead or you recast, the way to move forward is you accentuate, first of all, storyline-wise, you have, well, to be honest with you, because there's been interaction in Justice League and such, I guess you can't really introduce Keaton pre-Flashpoint incident. So you're going to have to... well, I don't. I don't think afterwards. that. I, I think that. It, I think that it's it accepted, and I don't think anybody thinks that they're going to make that movie and it's going to be true to Flashpoint in the comics. There's no way that's happening. So correct. In, in fact, like before this, before this news hit, and everybody started talking about Michael Keaton. If you remember the story drop that. They were talking about Jeffrey Dean Morgan, who played. It would have been the same casting. Well, they're saying that still going forward, what they're going to do. That's what I thought I read. Right, right. So if he's the if he's the Flashpoint, you know, Batman, the Thomas Wayne Batman, then obviously Michael Keaton is. No, but what I'm saying is that's not what I'm talking about. There was no other future. There, that, there wasn't a future Bruce Wayne. Batman what I'm in, saying in is that right? by having Justice League, they've established Affleck. 
So how I think they might just be pretending well, that never the, the, happened. I need to know that <laughs> because that's thinking. you know that's a huge one. But <laughs> multiverse, boom, okay. he's out. You can just play well, the multiverse. on the way back in. Yes, you absolutely can. But what I'm saying, I get here's what. Okay, actually, I'm glad we we talked we hashed this out because that actually see that that here's how you you bring Affleck back for five more minutes. And then he never gets to touch another DC yeah. Universe thing ever. But you, why? Why are you even giving? Because him the here's five? what you got to do. Because you have to establish, reestablish the relationship of he and Barry before he comes back. Because if you're gonna do the flashpoint, I think they have enough digital footage. I think they can piece together <laughs> enough di- digital footage of him. That's fine with me. I don't think they need to That's bring fine him back with me. in. But what I'm saying is. The gray templed Oh man. Are they gonna have him be bald? Are they gonna have Keaton be bald? Well, I don't know, but the, the see now that's where you and I part. What does it matter? He doesn't have to be. Because no, I'm trying to think out loud here. I'm not saying that he has to be, although again The baldness of the dude on Titans was one of the things that pissed you off the most. About that, Batman. Although there's so many things. It's a laundry list. That's what I said. I was just thinking that, that to myself. Road, I'm not going to touch that because you, you could, we could have a. I don't know. I could see him as just like the grade. I mean, he could pull. He, he can't remember. Keaton is what? How old is he? I mean, he's 60s. He's in his 60s. Well, again, you know, but they see just the, have again, to they, him up a little bit. I'm telling you, some of the fan like concept art I've seen, they make him look pretty sweet and pretty believable. You know, if you just look at them and kind of think, oh, if they got, like, a good... Like, I'm not even really thinking as much about the Flashpoint movie. I'm thinking ahead to, like, the Batman Beyond movie. Because that's where I think that that uh, Michael Keaton could really shine. He could kind of bring... You know, it, it wouldn't be maybe 100%. But if you remember, the, the animated series, Batman animated series, which is near and dear to both mm-hmm. of our hearts, big time, was... Tonally spun off from the Tim Burton movie, like down to the theme music and everything. I mean, it was definitely different. It, it evolved into something different, and in my opinion, even better. No, oh, but it started out better. as as kind of the conceit was this was kind of the you know kind of that universe, kind of that tone at least, but an animated version of it. And then Batman Beyond was spun off from that. So if you think about it, really, you know, that 1989 you know, live action Batman movie leading into eventually a Batman Beyond movie is exactly what you should do with Michael Keaton, you know, to kind of finish the arc of that. There just happened to be you know, 30 actual years that passed. In no, I'm not saying that you couldn't use Michael Keaton and specifically the 89 Batman as a... Why he would be perfect moving forward as the quote-unquote uh, Nick Fury-style character is because he is the ultimate intellect in the DC Universe. By then, if you're going to play him as the, you know, the 60 to 70-year-old Batman, then... He has so much, you know, not only does he have the uber intellect, but he has all those years to establish every single connection that you can think of. So he is that, he is the, 
he covers the character of the international spy of Nick Fury and the supreme intellect of Iron Man. So he is the even larger linchpin of the DC universe than he is of uh, than they were of the Marvel universe separately. So again, if it's written right and because the one thing that I thought Burton did so well is he made really a movie about his about the Joker, but he made the Batman all about Bruce Wayne. And then the Batman scenes were, you know, just kind of one giant heroic swing in or one, you know, it, it, it was not really an action movie as much as it was a, you know, I don't know. It was, I mean, it was awesome, but it was, you know, in a weird sort of way, he did establish the, you know, the Nick Fury side of what that character could become after years and years and years of, you know, real world experience. But I guess earlier I was saying that it's just, it's just so up right now where you have, you know, if you're going to genuinely try to pull forward, you know, the Momoa Aquaman and the Godot Wonder Woman, you're, you're really hamstrung. So I don't know. I don't know how you blend those correctly, um, unless you just again don't touch Bat or don't touch Keaton until the Flashpoint use that movie obviously to reset the universe. So that's what I yeah yeah that's, that's what I assume they're doing. Or you know they could set the table in some ways for it with the Snyder Cut, you know, which is another. I don't know. I mean, it's to the point where you really got to like start looking at these things as individual things. Like, you know, anytime I'm told that, you know, this is a movie that's going to, you know, be part of an interconnected universe of any kind, I'm taking that with a grain of salt until, you know, the movies are actually made. Because everybody's trying to do what Marvel did and nobody can pull it off. And no one ever will. All right. So. There's definitely uh, positive things to be hopeful about with it, but, you know, I, I'm kind of in the I'll believe it when I see it posture a little bit. Yes. I, I, I mean, in my heart of hearts, the you know one of my big bitches about Batman is that people don't get him right. And I think that in a weird sort of way, some of the stuff that Keaton already established as well, and Burton, uh, with the character and then the idea that if they were going to use him in some sort of, you know, mentor overarching sense, I think you really could play up his intelligence and his, you know, always being a couple steps ahead of his gamesmanship, if you will. And I don't think they, I don't always see enough of that in, in some of his, in some of the Batman incarnations. So, uh, so yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot to be excited about. I just, I guess it goes back to, I have a lot of fear because of some of the missteps over the recent years. And, uh, and, uh, hopefully they can get that sorted out because there's a lot to be excited about too, you know? So we'll see. Well, if you think about it though, they're kind of playing with house money as far as our, expectations and disappointment level at this point with anything that spawns off of 
um, you know, Justice League and Batman v Superman, this whole DC extended universe, I mean, it was pretty much dead in the water. So, like, if they can salvage any of it, you know, to be something that's cool in any way and give us some fan service i'm all for it they're already talking now about you know man of steel 2 you know being something that happens which you know i think is great because i thought he uh, henry cavill was a great superman i thought that that first man of steel was fantastic i mean regardless of what happened afterwards um so i don't know if they can look i i have a philosophy of abundance they're going to keep cranking these movies out and if you throw enough crap against the wall something's going to stick i mean you are you're more pure you don't you don't want them playing fast i don't acknowledge that though with your i don't acknowledge a purity what i acknowledge is a deep respect for certain no, for a certain characters, like for instance, Batman. What one of my common bitches recently is that he's always this just such fucking damaged person from the loss of his parents. I don't <laughs> see that as how he, he the fact that he rose above that is what makes him Batman. Not that he's like a, the on the edge of being a psychopathic killer. I mean, once Schneider went off the yeah. edge with the whole killing people, that's you have altered the character to such a degree his the fact of his respect for humanity the fact that batman never kills is a core part of him he is jim gordon the relationship with jim gordon that is again a central part of the batman character can't exist if he's a killer He's not, he's a vigilante, yes, but he is not the Punisher. It's a big difference. He's the smartest in any room. He is in, he is three steps ahead of you. He doesn't need to kill you. He doesn't need to be a thug. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's a misuse of the character. So that's yeah. all you know that's where it gets in the way for me it's not the purity you know thing like i don't know i i, I got sidetracked <laughs> i i was gonna bring up the fact that joel schumacher yeah. passed this week but i'm afraid i i don't I, out of respect for the dead i do not want to hear what you thought of I, any I of didn't, his batman I, films. I, I'm I did to... not see the third and or excuse me the fourth one i i have not and will not I watched uh, yeah. Val Kilmer's. The Val Kilmer one was. <sighs> Thing is, though, it's again, it's again one of those things. They, like as as cheesy as those were in some points, if you if you don't like if you don't view them from the point of view of this is the last story of these characters we're ever going to get on film. You know, if you don't look at it like that, if you look at it as just, oh, now, like, and it's easier to do that in retrospect, to look back and say, oh, this is just this person's take on it, and, you know, maybe it's, (laughs) they can't all be the Christopher Nolan movies, but they all have, you know, something of of value. Well, again, and, and, you know, Godspeed, he he's had some other movies that I've enjoyed, so I you know I, I it is what it is. But no, I, I don't because 
the Kilmer one, you know, uh, the villains were allowed to just completely overshadow. I mean, it wasn't like the Nicholson character or even the DeVito character where there's a balance there. You know, there's a... Mm-hmm. They just were scene chewers, man. It just was obnoxious. And so even there was, the you know, the, the romance was so-so between uh, Kidman and Kilmer. And, you know, there were some things in that movie that were somewhat okay. But, but yes, it definitely took a step, you know, a step down. And then once that fourth one came out, man, I literally, Toby, to this day, I've not watched it all the way through. I started it and that like opening scene where I don't even know what exactly was happening, but all of a sudden the safe got like pulled out by like some sort of grappling hook or whatever. And then it slid perfectly back into its place at the end of the the action. I literally walked out and have never seen it, not seen it on DVD, VHS, anything ever. So, Stirring tribute. He will be missed. (laughs) Coming up next, we are going to open up the long box and take a look at Superman Red Sun. We'll be right back. Okay, and we're back to the back issue portion of the Back Issues podcast. This is the part of the show where we're going to take a look back at some of the greatest stories in comic books, ones that uh, we read the first time around, or maybe some of the ones that we missed the first time around. And in this case, for our first episode, we're going to tackle Superman Red Sun, which was a 2003 book by Mark Millar that answered the question, what if Superman had been born and raised in the Soviet Union? So we kind of chose this one to coincide with the recently released on DC Universe, uh, DC animated film of Superman Red Sun that goes with it. So we're going to kind of talk about both. So Dave, did now was this, was Red Sun one that you had consumed the first time around or um, did you miss it the first time? I consumed it and it's actually one of my all-time favorites. And um, <clears throat> and I think you probably already have, but if in, in, in case you haven't, uh, spoiler, spoiler alerts for sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. If anybody's listening to this show, know that, uh, you know, especially during this portion of the show, it'll probably be spoiler heavy. So if you see um, the the issues or the story arc that we're going to be discussing, you know, either go back and, and read it first before you listen to the show or just know that we're probably going to be spoiling the crap out of a lot of stuff. <laughs> so that's out of the way. Exactly. Thank you. Uh, having said that, yeah, it's absolutely, I just love it. It's... Uh, Batman is just my favorite, and Superman is right there, you know, a close second, and they're 
especially their dynamic on whatever level is always fun to watch. Um, I thought the, again, the comic is just one of my favorites of all time. And, uh, although I'm a big DC animated fan, big DC animated fan. And in its own ways that we will, we'll get to, I enjoyed the, 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 uh, cartoon, but the, it was not even, it was not even remotely the same story. I mean, it was so, I, I was from that perspective, I yeah, was, yeah, there were huge, I was extreme, huge changes and, and we'll get to those, but set the scene. Let's go. Let, let's take the comic first. Okay. So the original written by Mark Miller and, uh, Dave Johnson was the lead artist on it. There were a bunch of artists involved, so I'm not trying to uh, be disrespectful but uh so so set this up where did where do they set this world of superman all right so it's uh you know it's he's crash lands in on a farm in the ukraine versus a farm in kansas so it establishes obviously in those early years he's raised you know it never the comic never actually shows or talks about the parents um but you, it establishes that he's raised in a very similar fashion to the way he's raised by the Kents, but with a true believer's, you know, sense of, of being, you know, believing in communism. Really, I think almost a socialism, a, 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 a little more starry-eyed version of it, you know, until, anyway, he eventually is basically, you know, plucked and, and groomed by Stalin. Um, I mean, how, how, how much do you want me to talk about the whole story? I mean, that's kind of what the... Well, I mean, just kind of the beats of it. So basically, he's he's essentially Stalin's right-hand man for a period of time. Right, and, I, and this was one of the weird things, and I guess there's really no way to talk about this without, you know, kind of mixing, right. talking about the film version right. of it. Uh, as compared to the book version, because that's one of the first things that that really kind of bumped me when I was watching the film was, if I'm remembering in in the comic, uh, Stalin was poisoned by his right hand man, or or somehow assassinated by by his right hand man, not not Superman in the book. And then they kind of wanted Superman to to step up into that role. But then in the film, <laughs> instead they decide to just have Superman find out that Stalin's a piece of crap, so he just. I kills mean, my him. goodness, I, that's the thing. That's I get. <laughs> you know, before we even get into the specifics, that's the. I was amazed at the the how much they just are. They've made them killers now, both Superman. Yeah, well, especially because I thought I thought one of the themes of of this story that was great was that, you know, regardless of environment, you know, at at his core, Superman was a person who was going to try to do what he believed to be the right thing, and you know, in the film version of it, when he smoked Stalin, you know, <laughs> it was very abrupt and it wasn't yeah. like it, it didn't make sense. It, it it was like at his first realization that things weren't great it wasn't like after a long time of 
of seeing all this stuff and it built up to that. It just not only should it never have happened, it never should have happened that quickly. They didn't explain how he got right. There. Well, and and that's a and that's one of the things that's going to be so tough about, in particular, this one. Because of the difference in you know when you have a, a three issue you know quality story, um, there's so much depth to it. I mean that that scene with the illegitimate son, the bastard son of uh, of Stalin, you know when he g- leaves the party and Superman follows and he basically stops him from committing suicide. You know it's yeah that you know little beats like that that establish the you know, the optimistic, the ever and eternal optimistic part of Superman as a character, whether he's, you know, communist or, you know, whatever you want to call Americans. But, uh, but I mean, right. It's kind of the nature nurture, you know, debate with applying it. Well, and also even the subtlety of the nurture within a different system, because he's getting, like, if he would have, you know, if the story wouldn't have established that he had been raised on a Ukrainian farm, you know, before he got brought in, it might be a different story. But um, but anyway, uh, but there was a lot of differences. I mean, the other just giant, just night and day difference for me was Lex Luthor. I mean... right. If you're going to do a story and or you know the, do the the animated adaptation of a story set in the Cold War, you can't have Lex Luthor be that accommodating, you know, loving husband. I mean, great, it's a great character, but it's not the character from the comic. I mean, the, he he has to be so obsessed. I it. it there was just a lot of opportunities to establish that whole. Oh yeah, why would you not? Oh my! Why would you not want to include this? One of my favorite parts from the comic, which is where you know basically Lex Luthor calls Lois Lane, who in this reality he's married right. to, and <laughs> and basically says, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but basically says, uh, so yeah. Um, I'm going to be devoting my life now to taking down Superman. So I just want to let you know, you know, don't expect to see me. Don't, you know, we could stay married, but don't expect right. me to be part of your life at all. Uh, probably won't be taking your calls. Going to be focusing on Superman now. I know. I mean, it's such a waste of, oh my God, it's just so good. It's so good. I mean, even the. Yeah. Yeah. This is one that I, I, I could so highly recommend the, the books, but. But the movie, and you know, I want to be. It's a big miss. You know, DC animated normally does such a great job. They have such an awesome track record, and you know, they're usually really good with like hitting the the key parts. You know, obviously they can't include everything on some of these multi issue things, but they hit the key things usually and do it well. But yeah, this one made some weird, weird choices. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, even I, I really have to. I can't overstate it enough. I mean, I hate to pile on because, like you said, I, I, I'm just, my goodness. I mean, uh, Batman Superman Public Enemies is one of my favorite DC animated. I mean, they, they there have been several 
versions of these characters where they've absolutely hit hit the mark perfectly. Um, and again, in this one, it was it was almost everyone across the board. I mean, the Wonder Woman character, the the build up, the setup for the. I think in this one they they went out of their way to try to establish some sort of romantic relationship, and I don't think that was what really I read in the comic. In the comic, I I read more of an established friendship and a mutual belief in the goal that was eventually turning every country peacefully to this system, and. There well, was a in, little... in the comic, it was more of a romantic relationship, but in the movie, they made Wonder Woman a lesbian and rebuffed him, and then, you know, but yeah, then made it a point to say, okay, well, you know, they kind of addr- addressed that, put it aside, and then said, okay, well, this is still going to be, you know, you, you, I still need your friendship, though, because you're the only one like me, you know? Well, before we even get to that, what I was trying to say was the fact that I don't think it really was ever elevated that part in the comic. I think that there was a bit bit of a sexual tension, but it wasn't a romance. I mean, because there's a couple other Elseworlds where they're, you know, like they couple off. Um so yeah, but you make well. I th- I think I, if I'm remembering, I think in the comic it was more like a the um, like the political parties or basically the governments were trying to kind of almost arrange them as a as a couple, like to bring bring power, you know. Well, and and I don't I, well, I think it was actually written where you can interpret it different ways. I mean, even the lines that where she makes some sort of comment, I'm pa- paraphrasing, but about the, you know, her mother's mistrust, and she doesn't, you know, she now doesn't believe necessarily everything her mom said, even though she kind of did up until meeting him. Well, that that is a can simultaneously be be understood as what an impressive you know human being and ideal as this communist man is, and then just a more sexual man is, whatever. But again, you know, that's semantics. But my point is, is that once it got to the point of, you know, the actual awesome, you know, in the comic, it was amazing, but what a letdown in the the animated, the scene with Batman you know, that whole, like, I'm just going to make this decision, you know, where it's not a someone manipulating a friend, where there's an it, there's this buildup in the comic where regardless whether it's a romantic or sexual connection or if it's just a friendship connection, it's a connection and it's genuine, a genuine and especially from Wonder Woman's perspective. And it builds to this crescendo where then... You know, when Superman finally has to depend on somebody else, he, you know, basically uses her loyalty and her friendship. And and that's where that giant betrayal is. But they turn the, it into an opportunity in the animated for her to just make some big pompous speech. And I just, 
that was very disappointing as well. I just thought that they, there's just so much quality interpersonal dynamics within the comic that they could have kept the spirit of, even if they had to, you know, cut it down to size a little bit. Uh, you know, you know what I'm saying? I, I, I don't know how to actually, actually verbalize just, it, it totally, but it, it's, it, I think the frustrating thing is, you know, some of these creative decisions that they make, some of these big changes that they make that, that do have a big impact on the story, you know, on the character side, especially of the story, it, you wonder why they even like, you can understand like maybe a whole B you can understand like a B or a C plot, maybe being completely cut out, you know, like the, uh, the Russian Pete Ross that was in the comic, which was a really cool, Mm -hmm. Right. Kind of thing. The comic has a lot of nice little fan service. And, you know, that's the one part I don't really want to spoil because, you know, even if people hear us spoiling how it ends and stuff, it's still kind of fun to read it and see the little, you know, Elseworlds, you know, characters and stuff like that. So certain things like that, I can see that, you know, in a film you know, maybe it's easier to just cut completely a character out and write around that because you don't have time to, like, develop that character or whatever. So I can see that, like, if it's for time or space. But some of the things, like, I mean, who, how many people signed off on, you know, Superman just heat-visioning Stalin into a puddle? Well, let, let, me, let me jump in here. You not only hit the number one, I'll give you the immediate number two. What did I just say earlier in this in a segment about the one of Batman's core tenets is he doesn't take human life? Are you kidding right. me? That was beautifully played in the in the comic. Ten minutes, he says it, and then he laughs as he says, you know, basically "fuck you" and hits the button. <laughs> Are you yeah. kidding me? That that is such a it's. Again, it's not even the same. Why do they call it Superman Red Sun? It's not the same story. It's because he's wearing a right. uniform with a you know sickle and a hammer on it. Come on. I mean, that's that's one yeah. of the only things that was even remotely the same. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why they do it. Oh. I mean, the only. Beautiful. I don't know. It, you think for a second that when they make decisions like that, oh, maybe they're trying to, like, the changes they make are to make it more appealing to a mass audience or more marketable to kids or whatever. But then you see them making, you know, Superman and Batman a killer. And that seems right backwards to that. So it's just hard to to, to imagine a motivation for making such stupid changes with a story that was so well written. Exactly. Well, I, again, you you make a great point because the you know, trust me. I mean, we could get even deeper and, and get get into the fact that it really, <clears throat> it was written with the imagery of the Soviet Union, but it was not like it wasn't. There's no acknowledgement of the Cold War taken forward which is what the comic was about. You know what I'm saying? It's just basically saying like the almost like the Cold War happened, but now it's the world just as we know it now. 
but with Superman dressed up in an old communist, you know, emblazoned yeah. uniform. So, no, it's... Yeah. It, it, you know, I guess in the, my one defense, if I had to, you know, if I was forced to make a defense for it, you know, maybe they were just... There was an attempt to make it somewhat like the... You know how like the last handful of animated DC animateds have been of the same, you know, core group of relative continuity, I guess, you know, basically since like, you know, yeah, Justice League yeah. War and, and like I think that last one that came out was supposed to be the last one of that chunk of of continuity and now they're I think wiping it clean and starting over. Correct. Again. But so this was part of like the end of that. And so I think maybe, although it was, that's the only thing I can think of, and and I still don't think that 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 solves the issue. I, of- I think it's more insidious than that. <clears throat> I think it's it's the woke police just not knowing, like, not knowing they got to change things. They got to change something, and I think that they just. You know they don't know what to change, well, so th- that's just, a great like, point, Toby. Because like, I didn't. The quickest sorry. way for a, to to wokeify something, if you want to wokeify something, just you know, make the person who was the killer now be the victim and flip flop it. I mean, those are like simple, like first level ways to like just change something for the sake of changing it. You know, I think they get caught up in that sometimes. You know, you want to make it, you want to make it like not politically offensive and i think maybe if you're dealing with something like okay the comics seemed like they were written by somebody who studied the cold war on the university level the animated film looks like somebody who studied the cold war by watching rocky four well above and beyond that but to go back to before you we get off the woke police uh aspect i just think that it's it's forced and heavy-handed because i don't really have a problem with some things being modernized but again like you said a you can't write a story about the cold war and 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 have no really anything to anchor it to that other than the just the the very limited imagery and the fact that stalin was in it like that's it um and also that maybe the younger generation doesn't understand what strength was at that time. Like, for instance, the idea, I think, to, like, let's say a woman that is very into the idea of, like, what a woman should be now. The character of Lois Lane and the idea that she would remain married to a dick all those years is so counterintuitive to oh my god the independent you know whatever where you got to understand that in the story i'm not saying that it's wrong not wrong but like you have to understand that the the strength that she actually displayed to do what she did for the reason she did them you know, there's a, there's a deeper part to her, and there's a they, that, that makes her as much or more woman than the idea of just dismissing, you know, sometimes people are dealt a shitty hand. 
And sometimes they're dealt a shitty hand specifically for things they can't control. And that doesn't make it right. But sometimes those people overcoming that or just dealing with it in a fucking dignified way is so empowering in and of itself that maybe some stories about that might go a longer way than the than this I don't know fucking Pollyanna bullshit idea of stuff that is not accurate. You know I, I mean I don't know if I explained that exactly right but Well I th- I think the pro- the problem with the way they changed the world that the film was set in okay so so the idea of the elseworld story the idea of this new take you know what if i mean because it's as as small of a change as the earth turning slightly faster by a couple hours you know that that spaceship lands on the farm in in the soviet union so it's that small of a butterfly effect kind of thing. And that's the germ of the idea right there. But what it's supposed to be and what the comic book was, was taking these fictional superhero characters that we know, and we know a lot about them at this point, and showing them, at, like applying them to our actual world as it was... You know, so like the history of of our actual real life world didn't change. It was accurate, you know, to what it actually was. And then in the comic, we saw what it would have been like if Superman had been part of that. So you had JFK in there, you know, and they they tried to capture like politics as it actually was at that time. And then kind of do then kind of reimagine how it would be affected by Superman being a part of that. But in the film... They changed the history of it, too. They changed the, you know, the DC characters' interaction with it as well. But they changed the actual history history of it, too. And it didn't, it didn't seem as creative at that point. It's not clever if you just change everything. It's just a different story. Right. Right. Exactly. It's not even... <clears throat> it's like... Yeah, different people in the same costumes, or in this case, a slightly different costume. But it's it, yeah. yeah. So yeah, swing and a miss on the movie for sure. I think we can concur on that. But you know, again, the comics, you know, you can pick them up probably anywhere, and they're also available um, if you have the DC Universe platform. Oh, I've, um, lo- I've hashtag not a sponsor. Yeah, um, I've actually, but it's all there. So so those come highly recommended from both of us. Yeah, absolutely. The uh, like you said, I mean, I think that we, I, I know this kind of turned into a. You know, just a one versus the other, but it's, uh, but yeah, it, it, it's. If you haven't read read it or seen it, watching it first might be okay. I mean, it might be, but I would say read it first and then maybe see it if you want, but you don't even really have to because the thing is, I mean, I, I didn't want to go full spoiler, you know, because I ho- hopefully some people who haven't seen it will still be interested, but, like, the the end of the book has such a beautiful, like, kind of surprise 
ending and everything and you know just go do go read that first and you know the the movie can be on on the back 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 burner for sure i think what you'll what the comic does so well versus the animated but even in general does so well is it really it never loses the core of each of those characters but there really is a quality resolution to each. All right, with that, that's going to do it for episode one of Back Issues. How do we do there, Shavy D? I had a great time. All right, so what we're going to do is, you know, let us know your thoughts. Look in the show notes. It'll have the links to all our social media and, you know, comment online. Let us know what you think of Red Sun. You know, go go check it out and, and get back to us. Let us know if, if you think we're just full of it or, you know, if, if, uh, if you think we made some sense here and check in with us, we'll let you know on social media, what the next book we're going to explore is or story arc. So you can get a head start on it, uh, before we talk about it. So until then I'm Toby Shaver. I'm Dave Shaver. And we'll see you next time. <laughs>